I supposed to follow that? I'll tell you what. You got your Bible, Luke chapter 17 this morning. Thank you so much, choirs. What a blessing uh, to be ministered to so many. Luke chapter 17 this morning, we finish up our series called Living Against the Grain. Living a life that is characterized by doing things that do not come naturally. Doing the opposite of what is usually done. And so far, we've talked about living against the grain by being great. Be great. That is, be truly great. Using Jesus' definition. And Jesus says, do you want to be great? Be a servant. That's living against the grain. A life of servanthood. Last week, we talked about be generous. Be generous. And today, we're going to talk about living against the grain. And the idea of be Grateful, be grateful. Sadly, most people spend more time concentrating on what they do not have instead of concentrating on what they do have. God blesses us and blesses us and blesses us. And we forget to thank him. We forget to count our blessings. We forget to look in consideration around us at all that we have and then look up in adoration and thanksgiving We forget that our blessings are not just those things that money can buy, but most especially those things that money cannot buy. Things like salvation, love, peace, joy, and on and on. I wonder if you would consider this question in your own life and don't answer out loud, but which of these words characterizes you? You ready? Greedy or grateful? Greedy or grateful? You had to be honest in answering that. Which word describes you best? Greedy or grateful? Is your life consumed with desiring what you don't have or enjoying what you do have? I think that's why the Thanksgiving holiday is so wonderful. You see, this is a holiday that's not about getting things. It's about giving we're giving thanks. Now, the stores are busy trying to steal that concept from us. And uh, every year it encroaches more and more upon this most special holiday we call Thanksgiving. Christmas is already in full bloom around us. Listen, Thanksgiving has been replaced uh, with Turkey Day. That's what some refer to it as Turkey Day. Now, I love Turkey, but... Thanksgiving's not about turkey and dressing. It's about God and his blessings. It's about our praise and our gratefulness to him. Albert Moeller, the president of our Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, wrote the following. He said the historical basis for Thanksgiving observance is clear. In 1621, the pilgrims celebrated the goodness of God as they feasted with local friendly Indians. In reality, the pilgrims had faced far greater adversity than had been expected. The climate was harsh. The crops were were sparse. The native peoples were often hostile and their ranks were thinning. Hunger, disease, discomfort and discouragement were ever close at hand. Aiming for Virginia, these Christians, descending from the Church of England and determined to establish a truly Christian community, actually landed in New England. That miscalculation meant that disaster was almost certain. Nevertheless, they, and I quote, fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven who had brought them over this vast and furious ocean, end quote, recorded Governor William Bradford. 
Now, what about us today? Will we choose to live against the grain and be thankful, be grateful every day? I want to show you in God's word this morning, a man who truly lived against the grain. We find this story in the Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter, and I'll begin reading at verse number 11. Luke chapter 17, we'll read it verse 11 down through verse 19. The Bible says, now it happened as he, that is Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, there are a lot of lessons in this passage. Let me share a couple of them with you today. We learn, first of all, that we need to cry out to Jesus. We need to cry out to Jesus. I want you to notice the trouble these ten men were in. They were lepers. We're told right away they shared a common problem. They all suffered from leprosy. That vicious, dreaded, feared disease. And not only were they sick, they were also separated. It says they stood afar off. Now, why is that? Well, because the law required it. You want to jot down in your reference, this, these, uh, this reference here, Leviticus 13, 45 to 46. You want to jot that in your margin. Leviticus 13, 45 to 46. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, his head bare. He shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean all the days he has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Numbers 5, 2 through 4 says it this way. Command the children of Israel, they put out of the camp every leper, everyone who has a discharge, and whoever becomes defiled by a corpse. You shall put out both male and female. You shall put them outside the camp. They may not defile their camps in the midst of which I dwell. And the children of Israel did so and put them outside the camp as the Lord spoke to Moses so the children of Israel uh, did. These men had been cut off from their normal lives, their normal routines. They've been cut off from their families, their surroundings. They had they had found a common bound and bond together. That is the bond of misery and being lepers. They were together and they had to walk around and stand afar off and say unclean, 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 unclean to let others know that they were lepers that do not come near. You do not want to catch this. These ten pitiful men cry out to Jesus. They pray and they pray passionately by saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, what an example for you and I today. We need to cry out to Jesus. 
In the days of trouble, we need to cry out to Jesus. These men could not help themselves. Their only hope was Jesus. They remind me of the sinner who is lost in sin. No hope within themselves. No way to help. No hope but in Jesus. Perhaps you're here today. You've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, I want you to know you have a terrible and terminal condition called sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible teaches that you cannot cure yourself. You are sin sick and separated from God. But I have good news for you today. And that's this. Jesus is passing through. Jesus is passing by this very hour. If you cry out to him, he will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will make you whole. He'll give you a home in heaven. He'll make you a child of God. He will cleanse you. And if you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, recognize you're a sinner, recognize your loss, recognize you cannot save yourself. And in repentance and faith, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will save you. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to him today. Now, for those of us who've already cried out to him in salvation, we are well acquainted and know that the Christian life. It's not a guarantee that we're going to be immune to all problems. We understand that Christians face hard times and heartaches and headaches. We live in a fallen world. And at times we as believers find ourselves in trouble. Now, what do we do in those times? Well, you know what we need to do? We need to cry out to Jesus. We need to cry out to Jesus. We need to bring those burdens to him and cast them at his feet. And and I believe there may be some today who know the Lord Jesus Christ and are are sure of heaven and, and have eternal life. But you're facing times in your life right now, times of trouble, times of heartache, times of headache, hard times, difficult times, times where you don't know what to do. Well, I want to tell you what to do. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to him. But, you know, this lesson doesn't stop there. We need to cry out to Jesus. But likewise, we go a step further. We need to obey Jesus. Look at verse 14. It says, so when he saw them, what a sight that must have been. These 10 men that were lepers, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. We need to cry out to Jesus, but we also need to obey Jesus. Now, how does Jesus speak to us today? Well, primarily through this book, the Word of God, the Holy Bible, inerrant, inspired, authoritative. Sometimes it's through our own reading of it. Sometimes it's hearing a sermon. Sometimes it may be a Sunday school class or a Bible study. Sometimes God speaks to us through other believers, godly counselors who speak into our lives truth from God's word. Sometimes God, the Holy Spirit, who indwells all believers, brings to our minds scriptures and truth that we've memorized or learned or heard and and instruct us in that way. Sometimes God, the Holy Spirit, gives us that guidance or that inward impression that this is the will of God. Walk ye in it. The key is this. When God speaks, we must obey. 
You see, it was at the point of their obedience that they were healed. Look again at verse 14, the latter part of it. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Perhaps you're here today and you say that it seems that you're kind of stuck in your Christian growth. You're going nowhere. Maybe it seems the heavens are closed to your prayers and the joy of the Lord is not pulsating through you today. And you're kind of in a, in a point where it seems like you're going nowhere in your Christian life. Why? Well, there may be unconfessed sin in your life. Sins of commission, things that you've done that God says you're not to do. And you have not come in confession and brought that to him and gotten right about that. But, you know, sometimes and I think more times than we like to admit, it's not a sin of commission. It's a sin of omission. In other words, God has told you to do something clearly. You know, it's his will, but you don't do it now. In a parent child relationship, we had lots of kids before us today. When a parent tells a child to do something and that child does not do that, what do we call that? Disobedience, right? That's disobey. Well, guess what? When our Heavenly Father tells us to do something and we do not do it, you know what that's called? It's called disobedience. It's called sin. Now, these lepers could have called a, a quick committee meeting and they could have elected officers and drew up an agenda and put on the agenda, discuss whether or not we're going to show ourselves to the priest and follow Jesus words. And they could have met and talked and done all those things. But had they done that, I don't believe they would have went home that day with baby smooth skin. As they went in obedience to the Lord, they were healed. We miss out on so many blessings, on so much that God has for us, simply because we do not obey. God has told us to do certain things. We don't do them. God has said, don't do certain things. We do them. We miss out a lot because of our disobedience. Maybe you've been there as a parent. I know it grieves me as a father when I have something special lined up for my children, some kind of surprise or something fun that we're going to do after they do what I've told them to do. But then they don't do what I told them to do or I have to get after them to do what I told them to do or fuss at them to do what I told them to do. And then I cannot, as a parent, bless them as I want to. I can't honor their disobedience. And I wonder, as God looks at me, how many times my Heavenly Father feels the same way about me. He desires to work in my life. He desires to work through me. He desires to do very special things for me and through me. But He cannot honor my disobedience. Because I will not obey Him. I will not do what He's told me to do. I will not stop doing what He's told me to stop doing. And so we need to cry out to Jesus, yes, but we need to obey Jesus. Just as these men obeyed Jesus. Now I wonder today, don't answer out loud, but what is God telling you to do? What has He told you to do that you're debating and discussing and dawdling about? Friend, when God speaks, we're to obey. Period. We need to cry out to Jesus. We need to obey Jesus. But thirdly, we need to thank Jesus. 
We need to thank Jesus. Now, it's Thanksgiving time. Gratefulness. Being grateful. And I want to challenge all of us to live against the grain and be grateful. Now, I want you to notice in the passage, it says that ten lepers were healed. It says they were cleansed. But then in verse 15, it says this. And one of them. One of them. Turned back to say thanks. Nine went with the grain. Normal thing to do. Just live life. Be ungrateful. Just go about. One went against the grain. One turned back to say thanks. Now, Jesus' question is a haunting one. Look at what Jesus says in verse 17. Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where are the nine? I, I cleansed ten lepers. I did a mighty work in ten men. But only one came back. Where are the nine? This man was especially blessed. Verse 19 Jesus says to this man, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. In other words, this one man who turned back not only received physical healing, he also received his greatest need met, and that is spiritual healing. Not only was his body made whole, so was his soul. This Samaritan exercised saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will. Uh, he turned back in faith and Jesus says, listen, your faith has made you well. You're well physically, but likewise, you're well spiritually. Now, I want you to notice what he did in verses 15 and 16 a little more carefully. Look at verse 15. I want you to notice it says in one of them when he saw that he was healed. So first of all, he recognized his blessing. I mean, imagine you've been a leper. There you are all these days, unclean, unclean in your body, your skin and just the horrific things that lepers endured. And now he looks at his skin. He looks at his body and he's been made whole. I believe Jesus does the work. He does the best work. I believe it was baby smooth skin. He recognizes his blessing. Then secondly, he turned back. He recognized, he saw he was healed, he returned. He goes back to the person who blessed him. The, the point of blessing, he goes back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I want you to notice, thirdly, he glorified God with a loud voice. A loud voice, glorified God. That is, he praised the Lord. I don't believe this leper was worried about who saw him, who heard him, what they thought of him. He praised the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then I want you to notice fourthly, he fell down at the feet of Jesus. He fell down on his face at his feet. That's the idea of worship. He worshiped the Lord Jesus. He praised the Lord. He worshiped them. And then notice the rest of the verse there, giving him thanks. He gave thanks to Jesus. We find here praise and worship and thanksgiving. We find here the proper response to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be our response. We should come to the Lord recognizing He's the one that blesses us. We should go to Him. He's the source of blessing. We should praise Him. We should worship Him. We should thank Him for all that He has done and is doing. And then notice what Luke adds in verse 16. And He... Was a Samaritan. Now that implies. Along with what it said in verse 18. 
Jesus says in verse 18, were there not any found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? It implies that the other nine lepers were Jews. If you remember in your Bible studies that the Jews, the Samaritans were not best buddies. But these Jewish lepers and this Samaritan leper, they laid all that aside. Why? Because misery loves company. Misery loves company. G. Campbell Morgan said, under such conditions, men forget the things that hold them apart. It would almost seem as though there may be occasions when trouble and misery are beneficent. If they reduce men to the consciousness of their common humanity and make them forget the things that divide. And so you have the Jewish lepers, you have the Samaritan leper, and the one that turns back, the Samaritan. Now, we look at that and we think, how could they? What a bunch of ungrateful people. I mean, when they started that morning, they were lepers, they were unclean, they were cast out. And now they go to show themselves to the priest and they won't even take the time to turn around and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for healing me. We're, we're, we're quick to judge, but then we catch ourselves. Why? Because we realize we often join the nine. We often join the nine. We often hang out with the nine instead of the one. Uh, we're often busy complaining rather than rejoicing. We're making our, our wish list instead of counting our blessings. See, the Bible is clear. First Thessalonians 518 in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It doesn't say for everything. In everything, there's a difference there. We don't thank God that. Little boys and girls are abused. We don't thank God that people are murdered and killed. We don't thank them for that sin. But in everything, we give thanks. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, we give thanks. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And perhaps you'd say today, well, listen, preacher, I've got a lot of problems. And maybe you say, I don't have much to be thankful for. Why should I praise God? I mean, in, in everything. I mean, if you knew what was going on, I mean, certainly that verse didn't apply to me. Why should I praise God when I'm going through so much? Beloved, we need to remember and recognize that God's goodness is not based upon our circumstances. God's goodness is not based upon our circumstances. God is good all the time. God is worthy of praise and adoration and worship and thanksgiving all the time. Now, I know you struggle and I know you have problems and I know life is hard at times and we all face heartaches and headaches and hard times. But God is worthy of our praise and thanksgiving all the time. I was reminded of this in a little video I saw this past week. A man, obviously a single younger man, is sitting on the side of his bed and he prays this prayer. He, he says he tells God that he's struggling and he asks God to show him what he should be thankful for, what he had to be thankful for. And then he goes to sleep and in the following morning, the alarm goes off and the video follows the man from the time he gets up that morning to the time he goes to bed at night. 
And so the alarm sounds and and many of the things that he enjoyed, we enjoy. And so it follows him through and they'll put little words of describing. And it's the idea of, well, we can walk. And they show him cooking breakfast as we will not go hungry today, if you will. He will not go hungry. I, I have food. Uh, we have lots of clean water. We have plenty of clothes. We have money. We have jobs. We have friends and family. We can read. We can move. We have shelter. We own a car. We rarely worry about our safety. We have a bed to sleep in. And the majority of us, all those things describe us. And on and on and on. And it follows this young man through his day. And and it shows him doing all these activities and all these things. And then at the very end of the video, they show him again sitting on the side of his bed. He's ready to pray again. And do you know what he prayed that evening? Here's what he prayed. Lord, I'm struggling. Show me what I have to be thankful for. How convicting it was to me. Because I'm like that young man. And we look around at all that we don't have and all that we wish we had. And God has poured out his blessings upon us in unbelievable ways. Yet we're with the nine. We're with the nine. We need to come with the one and fall down on our face at Jesus' feet. And say, Lord, thank you. I praise you. I worship you. We need to live against the grain. Listen, it's hard, isn't it? Especially in America. We're inundated all the time. They want you to not even have Thanksgiving meal anymore. Go to the store and shop and buy and get. Be grateful. Simple put. That's today's message. Be grateful. Be grateful. Be thankful. Take a few minutes and count your blessings. Take a few minutes and look around you. Take a few minutes and lift your voice in praise and adoration and say, Lord, thank you for your blessings. Live against the grain. Come with the one, not the nine. And say, Lord, thank you. In a moment, we're going to sing the last song. The altar is going to be open today. If you need Jesus, you need to be saved. I want to invite you to come. We'll place you a summit. We'll take a Bible and show you how to come to faith in Christ. But listen, the altar is also open today for those who already know Christ. Who maybe need to come and bow and spend some time thanking the Lord for his blessings. If we fill the altar, the front rows, we'll use those. We'll get wherever we can. But maybe you need to come today afresh and anew, like the one, and fall down on your face at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. And not bring a list of everything you want and everything you desire, but simply bring your heart in gratefulness and say, Lord, you bless me and I praise you and I worship you. That's the invitation today as we close the service. We're going to pray and sing, come you thankful people, come. Raise the song of Harvest Home. If you need Jesus, you come. We'll put you with somebody. You want to come and just pray today. The altar's open. We invite you to come. Will you live against the grain? Not just Thanksgiving week. Not just today. But every day. Be grateful. Father, we love you. We honor and adore you.
I pray your blessing now during this invitation. I pray if anybody here needs Jesus, I pray that you bring them right now as we sing this closing song and allow somebody to take a Bible and lead them to Christ. I pray for others who might be struggling today. They might come and give those burdens to you and cry out to you. Maybe some have unconfessed sin in their lives. They want to come get right about that today. And then, Lord, I'm sure there are many who want to come today and just bow afresh and anew in praise and adoration, saying, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for your blessings in my life. Get glory to yourself in this moment, I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Our closing hymn, 637. Come, ye thankful people, come. The altar's open as we stand together and sing. Life will come. Life will come today. Kneel. Thank the Lord. He didn't say today. Come, let me know that. Or if it's somebody who's going to be in You want to come pray about that? Would you come today? We have time. Would you come? 637. Let's stand and sing.